In this episode, we're going to talk about how you can create interesting new aliens and hand your players first contacts that they can enjoy. This is STA Engage. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, as always, Dr. RPG Jeff Harvey. In the last episode, we talked about how you can end your sessions and wrap things up uh, and how to handle some of the in-between downtime stuff to uh, to help keep your players engaged. Uh, And uh, if you want to know more about that stuff, go back, check that episode out. It was very, very good. Uh, In this episode, I am joined by uh, a Starfleet Command Discord regular, uh, Evil Nerf himself, Brian Grob. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I'm glad you came on. Uh, in this episode, we're going to discuss, uh, as I said before at the top of the show, we're going to discuss how to create aliens. Actually, I actually forgot to put that in my show notes because I am out of practice. Um, the goal of this show is to help Star Trek fans uh, and role-playing fans better engage with the Star Trek franchise and the Star Trek Adventures RPG and the community at large. Um, this show is brought to you by the letter H, the number five, uh, and the support of people like you. So like, subscribe, share, support us on Patreon. There's lots of cool stuff to find over on Patreon, or there will be when I get around to getting it up. Um, some old podcasts from 2016, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, if you want to find out more information about those folks that sponsor our show, uh, help put the show together, our production team at Studio Tembo, the fine, fine folks over at Continuing Missions, sta.com. Michael is not here today. Uh, he uh, didn't have time for this episode, unfortunately, but we'll see him again in the next one. Um, you can also get our primary sponsor for season one, Adventure Inc. Uh, you just follow the links below. Um, so uh, before we get too carried away, uh, Brian, introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and what, what you're about. Well, my name is Brian Grobe. I play a lot of Star Trek RPGs, mainly running. Um, and I've been playing uh, since the old Decipher days. And, uh, I'm currently running a Star Trek game uh, and playing one as well. Nice. Yeah. It's, for full disclosure, I'm, I'm playing in uh, Brian's game and Brian is playing in one of my games. Uh, I don't know if you're playing in any other ones after that, though. I promised him if this, if this doesn't go well, I will kill all of his characters. Yes. <laughs> Which is probably legit anyways. My characters suck. Um, <laughs> uh, he didn't say no. Uh, if you, so let's talk well, about creating aliens and stuff like that. You have a lot of aliens in your game. You do a lot of uh, uh, strange new world type explorations and uh, we do a lot of exploring the space out near Zenkethi, uh, the Zenkethi region and, and all of that. Mm. How do you come up with ideas for creating new cultures and new aliens and stuff like that? Well, you know, they come from a lot of different places. Uh, my current game I set out to, I endeavored to play, in my current game, I endeavored to uh, create a whole new region of space, not using well, most of the traditional races like Romulans and Klingons. I wanted everything to be surprising. So I started the game and have been building up a uh, catalog of uh, alien races that fill the normal niches uh, that you would see in like the Star Trek universe. Um, so the way that I have been introducing them is when the players visit one world, they have been dealing with other alien races and uh, sometimes they'll meet a member or two and get an idea. And then uh, my players have been really good at going, hey, that caterpillar guy is pretty interesting. What if we find out where he's from? Go check out his planet. And so, uh, right. you know, I, I take what you guys find interesting and build upon it. 
a lot of um a lot of the uh like cross pollination kind of thing with having the the bizarre worlds you use a lot of bizarre worlds yeah um, bizarre as in place to buy things not bizarre as in like bizarro but yeah um, yeah i think it's a good way to do things um when you're creating stories for these characters and you're creating the conflicts for these characters, where do you normally get your ideas for that? Like, so you have this species called the Kareki that are very, uh, by comparison to Starfleet, uh, confrontational and a little self-absorbed uh, or financially absorbed, I should say. So where do you come up with ideas like that? Well, uh, they are quite explicitly libertarian hummingbirds. Um, I, I, set out, you know, they came out of the initial need of wanting there to be a Ferengi character, but not wanting to use the Ferengis because there's a lot of weight with those. So I wanted to come up with a, a new twist on uh, the mercantile race. And so um, I look to politics and to libertarians, and I've always been interested in like the libertarian uh, ethos and like what, how it, a libertarian society would work. So my idea for the Kareki was specifically, if the libertarians got everything uh, the way they wanted it, what society would they build and uh, uh, what, what would be the pros and cons of that society? And it's definitely led me to a uh, interesting race that is neither purely, purely obstructive nor purely helpful. They're, they just are, and the players have to deal with them. Yes, have to deal with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I know that a lot of times, like when I'm creating storylines and things like that, and I don't, I haven't created a whole lot of depth to my aliens that I've used in games in the past. I have created aliens. Uh, when I, the more I think about it, the more I think I have created aliens for games that um, I never really got super deep. I would just take an allegorical society like uh the norman society from ancient france or well, old-timey france and i would apply some makeup to that and put them over in, in the corner and have the players interact with them um you're talking about stealing things like taking the idea of the libertarianism um i know that a good place to get a lot of ideas for um for creating cultures is to look at things that are going on in modern society and think, all right, if that played out to its logical conclusion, what would I get? If I got the truly uh, left-wing liberal ideal, what would it be? If I got the truly right-wing conservative ideal, what would I, what would I end up with? Um, the libertarian ideal or the, uh, if you want to go like, what if Nazis kept a planet all to themselves or the Romans had their own world or things like that. We talk, we see a lot of that in, in the original series, in fact, although they're technically aliens, but it's just stealing straight from history. Um, yeah, I, 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 you can mix and match too. You can like look at uh, uh, historical uh, groups that have had some overlap. Um, one of the races I have is a slaveholding race and I've taken from both uh, the, the, the Confederacy as well as like ancient Carthage. And so I'm used, combining both of those to create something wholly new, uh, but still familiar. Seems like it could really be realistic. Sure. And it helps create that moral conflict. And I think that's one of the things that people need to understand the most when creating these alien races. And I'll get more to it later. But the the idea behind your aliens that, and cultures that you're creating, or even just, if just making animals, it doesn't matter. You need to make sure that it's not just about taking a person and and slapping some makeup on them, you need to make sure that they have some kind of conflict that is going to intrigue the players. Otherwise, what's the point of having these characters? So, um, yeah, 
Yeah, go ahead. That that race I was just talking about came out of a desire of having wanting to have a bad guy that was unambiguous for my Klingon characters. I have a little Klingon side story going, and I wanted uh, somebody the Klingons could fight that wasn't the Federation and uh, something new. So I created this uh, race. I inserted them in the Federation storyline, uh, so that way they get. Uh, so it didn't seem quite so obvious, uh, but uh, yeah, it came out of the need for wanting a faction like that and going from there, delivering on the need. Sure. Uh, one thing to think about when you're creating your characters uh, is what are your aliens going to look like? Like, how do you come up with what they're going to look like? Like, I know that uh, recently in, in a game you introduced a centipede type species and you took some artwork from uh, an old RPG book that was not Star Trek regulated. Uh, so where do you, I mean, where do you normally come up with the ideas for the, the look? Do you come up with the concept art and then build a character or do you come up with a character and hope to find some concept art to fit it? A, a little bit of both, you know, uh, like uh, the uh, certain races, um, I would Google, if you Google concept art, you can find pretty much anything, spaceship yeah. concept art, alien concept art. You'll find all kinds of ideas that very creative people have throughout showing. And, you know, as long as you're not selling your role-playing game, you know, you can borrow liberally. Um, so that's one way I come up with uh, the look. Another way I can come up with the look is sometimes think about uh, what I would do if I was a producer um, on a show. Uh, the Karecki, the Libertarian Hummingbirds, uh, I originally designed them as a holographic species, um, where they they were little birds that projected a hologram, and that came out of the idea of, like, if I was trying to save money and introduce a human-like race, what's a way I could do that um, in a way that uh, was interesting and new? So, right. you know, sometimes it can come from all kinds of places. Right. So when you're coming up with, like, let's, let's talk about creating cultures for the uh for the alien species that come up with. so you have your concept art you have a, a cool name you have a basic story plot of what you're going to do uh how do you come up with uh more of the cultural aspect of them if, like for me i know that uh when you're talking about writing alien species a lot of times you talk about the single aspect theory so in your case the libertarian idealism taken to an extreme um i've done once where it was uh uh, if they were a hunter-gatherer species that had just progressed as a hunter-gatherer species and never become agricul uh, uh, agricultural, um, how do you get into, like, what would this do? Um, how would the culture evolve? So, I mean, what kind of things do you do when creating, fleshing out your uh, your your cultures for your characters? Well, I think one thing you could fall into is the idea that you need to have everything fleshed out. Um, a lot of times when I create worlds and stuff, I, I haven't worked out things like who how they elect their government or uh what you know uh, any of that details because it's not really necessary for the story if it ends up being necessary for the story i can think about well here's what i've said about them so far what would make sense for them to do and right. so you know it, it it can be dangerous to think i have to have everything right away uh when often it's better to think of what you can and then build upon that to give it more details yeah and uh you yeah one of the things I did recently in a game of uh, my Star Trek Lexington game that I did is I introduced a new species <clears throat> the players haven't actually encountered yet. They just kind of saw it on sensors. It's a Leviathan species. Uh, and I, I thought about it and I had no idea what I was going to do with it. It was kind of off the cuff. So I, in order to try to find resources to, to be able to um, flesh it out more and come up with story to help the players 
uh, discover what this thing is and actually have a story based around it. I use a lot of uh, outside resources. Like uh, one particular I used was Isaac Author's YouTube series. Um, I get a lot of his videos get posted in the Discord. Um, I know that that's a really good one. I discovered, and I didn't know this, but NASA has an, an astrobiology website. I didn't know that until a friend of mine told me like literally two weeks ago. Um, that's an amazing resource that I have not been able to pour all the way through yet. But oh my God, I have learned a lot about astrobiology in the last couple of weeks. Um, some other resources that you, that you use, like I know that you can use Natural Geographic. Uh, we talk about this. Uh, well, we haven't talked about it yet, but um, Natural Geographic is a good way to think about it because there's very few things uh, that you can learn one of the things that I have learned from nature is that there are very few things in the world, in the universe that are more alien than some of the stuff that we see right here on earth, like octopi or the, the social behaviors of certain insects and stuff like that. So a really good resource is to, to build out is that kind of thing. Like what other like materials do you use to do any research or, or do you just kind of wing it as you go? I mainly wing it. Uh, you know, uh, as far as research, um, uh, I, I don't do any like scientific research or anything like that. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll borrow from uh, movies, television, uh, history, you know, just pick uh, a la carte, just things and then put them together. Um, but since, since I know these aren't real races and they don't have to make, uh, they don't have to make perfect sense. I'm perfectly fine just taking what I like and what I'm ne what's needed for the plot, especially. Uh, and just kind of putting them in a blender. Sure. Yeah, it's, I tend to do that to the start, but I, I, I don't know. I sometimes get, I have found that I get way worked up when creating species and I spend a lot of time on them. Uh, for the new Europa game, uh, one of the players who was unfortunately not able to play with us uh, wanted to play a specific species. And I, he, ended, he gave me some ideas and I ran with it and I, I, I passed everything by, made sure he liked everything we were doing. And I have uh, a species Bible now for that, that species that is, uh, unfortunately long <laughs> i put a lot of work into it thinking about how they work and uh, the same thing with the leviathan species and now that i have that going i i've created what i i do a lot of what i call uh bibles for what i'm doing like i have a show mm -hmm. bible i have a player bible i have a species bibles i have all those things that are essentially like this is the canon for the show uh that i'm doing or the game i'm doing and that i can always reference these and know that as long as i don't contradict these i am remaining within the canon of the world i like a lot of internal consistency um, so I do a lot sure. of that kind of stuff. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's a good, uh, a good way for people to think about the way they should make their characters as well. I don't know. Do you use anything like that or no? I don't use it. I don't use any Bibles or anything like that. I, 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 I feel one issue a lot of people run into when thinking about like how to make new things is they might over, I think, I think people overthink it. They think like I have to have everything fleshed out in order to introduce them. Sure. I, I think an improvisational uh, attitude towards alien races uh, lends to more races overall, which means that they don't necessarily always have to be A plus. You know, sure. you can have B and C aliens, and then you find one that you really like and adds a lot to the story, and you run with that and you flesh them out, and you 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 uh, worry about uh, everything else about them. Right. You know? That's that's how I operate. Yeah, I do some of that to some extent, but I like to keep the Bible so that when I when I say something, I can I can throw it in the Bible and keep it there as as authentic. Although I will admit that this is the the Europa game is really the first game I started doing that for with races or species specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so I think uh, uh, it's definitely an evolving concept for me and how to do a lot of this stuff because it's not something that I'm particularly um, advanced in 
And it's nice to be able to learn how to do more things. It's one of the reasons I like doing this show. Um, well, as one of your Europa players, I'm excited to see what you got. Yeah, me too. Uh, one thing I, uh, let's talk about first contact real quick, like managing mm-hmm. players' expectations and how do you handle first contacts? Uh, we don't ever really see first contact procedures in Starfleet and on, on the show. Occasionally we'll get like a glimpse of, you know, uh, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagar kind of stuff, but it isn't really the in-depth first contact kind of meetings that you have. So how do you mm-hmm. handle first contact with, with a lot of your games or with a lot of your stories? So, so I've done a lot of first contacts and the pitfall I've seen is actually players know how to go to a planet and say hi. What they don't know is when is our job done? Uh, and so, you know, you can tell a player this is a new planet and it's, go say hi. But what you need to do is you need to give them some kind of endpoint for their first contact. You need to give them some story that they can go, uh, okay, we've concluded what we're doing. We've concluded this mission. And now we can say, leave it to the ambassadors. You know, we don't have, we don't have to figure out if their justice system is uh, completely uh, fair for everybody. We can leave that to the ambassadors. We've done our part to introduce them to the Federation, introduce them to their ideals, maybe done something nice for them. So that way they like us, you know, that's my ideal first contact is just make a good impression and uh, get a little bit of story out of it. Yeah. I've, I've been recently calling that mentality, the the Mandalorian mentality, because it's become quite obvious mm-hmm. in their formula where every time every planet he goes to, he's got to do something nice for somebody before he gets what he wants. And then we move on with the story. Um, I, it's mm-hmm. like definitely a good way to do it. You can always have them come back. You know, if you think of a good story uh, involving that species again, you can have them uh, make another appearance and or have them reach out to the players for help and develop that relationship. Um, you know, it, 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 it is good. Star Trek is, in my opinion, uh, best as an episodic program, mm-hmm. but one that with recurring arcs. So you can have uh, the first contact have one story and then have, another story introduce uh, new concepts about them as the players learn more. Right. Talk about establishing a galactic neighborhood. Like what does that actually mean? Like to you, what is a neighborhood? Like it's not Mr. Rogers and you know, the, the, the trolley and whatnot, but what, what do you think of when you're thinking of a galactic neighborhood and how do you build one? Sure. So my favorite Star Trek game I've ever run is actually a Star Wars game. And it's the old Star Wars D6 Dark Strider uh, box to set, which it's amazing had, box set. It's, it is. It 100% is. And it's very Star Trek. Here's the thing. They were definitely trying to say, here's our version of Star Trek with Star Wars. You had the players had a ship. They go around from planet to planet. They had an overarching mission, but their mission was also to show the flag at all these planets. Uh, and each of the planets had small relationships with each other. Uh, you could have one world that furnished, furnished mercenaries for another world. Uh, which is at war with another world. So they had uh, interlocking relationships that slowly got revealed. And so that ties into what I earlier said, where you can introduce one member of the species, which leads the players to want to search out more about them because you can have a few people, a few aliens on one world that are, that have some kind of relationship with the, the people of that world. And that, it, it knits into a neighborhood where the alien species are all interacting and existing together. And Starfleet is visiting the entirety of the uh, area 
and and putting forward federation ideals to that area and like sure. bringing it's a new frontier you know that's what you're going for ultimately yeah. and so if you have a state of dakota that the players are uh, that is the players frontier you can do whatever you want with it sure. you know and you can you can knit a story of you can knit a story of races that have been have known each other for a long time but are just now meeting the federation right i like uh uh i think star wars does a really good job of that and some other other supplements as well like i the far uh the far point project i think is what it's called is another good example of that um but the, a game i think that's a good resource for players for game masters to think about how to do this is a game called stars without number um and there's a lot of generators out there that can generate whole sectors for you and if you go in and tweak them a little bit you can you can really build a nice uh explorable sector of space that that is much like brian is talking about a, a you can build a network around that in a, a galactic neighborhood as as it is it's fun it's a fun game too so yeah uh, so let's talk about the thing that star trek is largely known for i've heard a lot of people talk about uh, and say that star trek isn't political and i'm this is not something that i'm going to say very much on the show because I, I try to keep it apolitical as much as possible but um if you believe that Star Trek is not a political show or doesn't have political commentary, then you are not watching the same show as the rest of us. Um, it's not a show that, uh, it's not only a show that has a political voice, but it's generally a very one-sided political bend. Um, not always, but generally speaking, it is a, it is a definitively progressive ideal. Um, that's the way it was envisioned by Gene Roddenberry. And it's had a lot of things that are at least uh, contrary to the conservative idealisms of the era that they're created in and using aliens as an allegory for modern political issues is something that some people have real um opinions on and personally i think that uh you should use star trek and really any game i do it in dnd too to explore social issues in what is essentially the safest possible space um this is where you have rules that are defined by everyone at the table and they've agreed to it. Everyone has a voice in the conversation. Um, it's a led discussion. Um, you can disagree with the person that's leading the discussion if you want to, it's fine. And you don't necessarily have to use your own voice. You can actually step outside of your own, uh, your own mentality on the subject and try to see it from another perspective because it's your character's perspective and not necessarily just yours. Um, but I think that you need to be ready to talk about those things in real life when the session ends and not shy away from the idea that you have talked about this in a game and that may have may have real ramifications on your personal life um what are your thoughts on on this idea and i'll get into the fact that you don't have to do any of this in a second but what's mm -hmm. your thoughts on using star trek and the alien species such as uh, such as they are as a political allegory for certain things yeah so I think it, I think the important thing is in the Star Trek role playing games. Uh, I think the players need to have their own agency. They can't be told uh, you need to go over here and fix this species. They are wrong. Fix them. That's just not a good way of doing it. What is a much better way of doing it is introducing a problem that that species is having. So you so uh, you know you can draw from your own political political beliefs in so far as what you think might be the repercussions that they're suffering and you can let the players figure out what the solutions are players are very good at coming up with their own uh, 
political, bringing their own politics to the table and figuring out uh, what they think the correct thing to do is. And they can talk to it amongst each other. I've always thought Star Trek is half spaceship game and half conference room game. You know, let the the player characters uh, talk and figure out how they can fix, how they can help this alien species with their problem without uh, fixing it for, without making them fix it, you know? Um, I have always put politics in my game. Uh, as I said, I previously explored like the pros and cons of libertarianism uh, with uh, that race. I, I don't want my characters to just straight out fix their, they have their own agency and they're having to deal with the frustrations of it. Um, sometimes there are issues I do want the players to fix. Uh, one uh, notable uh, adventure I had that was very dear, near and dear to my heart was uh, I had a planet that was based on the idea of asexuality, where there were some members of the species that were asexual, didn't wish to reproduce, had no desire to. They were ostracized and taboo, and I drew from the opposite, you know, uh, the, uh, the concepts of um, slut shaming and, uh, you know, certain taboos that we have in our own society about the opposite. And so I, I showed how these can be destructive to certain people. And I let the players help in the way they saw necessary, which was in that case, just letting those that minority speak for themselves and raise awareness of their issues. Sure. And I found that incredibly valuable and satisfying as, as I was running it to see my players uh, endeavor to help the, these people who on their plan have been ignored. Yeah. I think it's a, a thing we don't talk about much in, uh, in public commentary when it comes to, to, to role playing games. And I think there should be more of it personally. Uh, and that is um, we don't discuss the idea of uh, sexuality and gender neutrality and just gender or, identity in general in in most of these things and i think that one interesting aspect about about using an asexual culture that is being um further oppressed than they would be on our world um which there is some of that as well but uh i think the idea of being able to explore that is an interesting concept and i i I like i would challenge a lot of of gms who feel comfortable doing so and only with gms and groups that feel comfortable doing it exploring the ideas that you don't understand necessarily um, to try to gain a greater perspective on real world issues like the LGBTQ community and the, the, the struggles they're going through the, the, the people of color and the, you know, the, um, uh, like first nations and things like that. I think that's, if you can do it tastefully and you can do it with respect of the idea of educating yourself, I think it's a good thing to do. I think it needs to be done carefully and I think it needs to be done with the idea that you are trying to actually learn something about this. Um, I think it's a very good way to do things. Uh, I've said it a lot on this show and, and, and other shows that I've done that role-playing isn't just a game. I mean, it is a game, but the, the things you're experiencing can have real impact on your actual life. I was much more introverted when I started role-playing uh, in a LARP 22 years ago and the character that I played and the experiences that character had really shaped who I became later on. And uh, that these are experiences you're having and they're discussions you're actually having. Um, They may not necessarily be your, you and your voice, but the things that you're saying and things that you're doing uh, need to be something you reflect on later on in life, I think, and, and can help change the way you perceive the world. 
Um, but again, you don't have to do any of this if you don't want to. You don't have to make your games political. You don't have to make them social commentary. You don't do any of that. Um, but I would argue that not doing that is in itself a choice that is politically motivated. So keep that in mind. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on on that kind of exploration is. Like, I don't know if you ever have you ever had that experience where the gaming, uh, your gaming sessions have had some kind of actual impact on you long term. I, you know, you're right that games have definitely brought me out of my shell. Uh, it, so, you know, like when I ran that game, I hadn't told my friends that I was asexual and that that was something that I, uh, maybe the, me wanting to run that was me expressing that to them and trying to say, you know, here's, here's how I feel like sometimes. And, you know, after that, we did have a conversation and I told them what uh, it was based on. And uh, they, they took it in good spirit and, you know, uh, they understood a little bit more about what I was going for. And those remain some of my, the closest friends in my life. Yeah. I think it's a good thing to do. I, I think it's a great way to explore ideas and using the alien species that you have available to you in Star Trek. And they do this a lot in the show, especially look at the original series with the, the, the black, white, white, black, uh, conflicts and things like that you can do a lot of social commentary on the sly or fairly heavy handed if you wanted to. I, I think it's a good thing that that option is there if you want to use it, but it's not something you have to glob onto if you don't want to. So my thoughts. Oh, well, I think what the important thing to add is that sometimes it's fun to be snarky. Uh, yes. You know, I, I yeah, let me tell you sometime about the Bitcoin planet. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, sometimes it's just fun to comment. I will say the Karecki really irritate me. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe a world based entirely on uh, self-motivated transactionalism isn't uh, necessarily one we would want. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not one the Starfleet doctor wants. So <laughs> um, on that note, uh, there is a lot more that we could talk about when it comes to the creation of aliens in Star Trek. Uh, there are literally no limits to your imagination. If you can dream it, you can make it happen. Um, remember that with great power, though, comes great responsibility. And just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do a thing. Star Trek isn't really about green women and aliens of the week, although sometimes it does seem that way. Uh, if you add, you can add xenomorphs to your game from aliens if you want to, uh, but you probably shouldn't. And um, trust me, I did it in a Star Wars game and it turned out really bad. It was not one of the better highlights of my career. I also had a Star Trek Star Wars crossover, not a highlight of my career. Um, yeah, if you're going to spend time creating an alien species and the world they live in and the culture that shaped them and the conflicts that they will present to your player characters, you owe it to yourself, your players, and the things that you created to tell the best possible story you can. Uh, don't just, uh, don't just shave a Wookiee and slap a lobster on its head and call it a Klingon. That's not going to work. I know, I know Klingons came before Wookiees, but so what? Um, Take time to consider who your aliens are and why they are the way they are. Why is the libertarian society the way it is? And why do they treat the Federation the way they do? Um, when uh, Only then uh, will it go beyond a basic encounter and become a player experience. And I think that is one of the things that we're all really striving for as GMs is to create a player experience. Um, and again, that's one of the things I think that you can really do with... Um, some of the allegorical stories that you can tell. Um, and on that note, uh, I'm going to call it a wrap right here. In the next episode, Michael is back and we're going to talk with a very special guest uh, about the tech of Star Trek. So tune in next time for Arsenal of Freedom or 
where did he get those wonderful toys? Good line from Batman. I love that movie. Until then, uh, if you like what you're here here and you want to help the show out, share this episode with one other person who might enjoy it. Uh, you know, and and just help us out. That's all we ask. Um, I'm your host, as always, Dr. RPG Jeff Harvey. And on behalf of myself, my co-host, Michael, who isn't here today, uh, my guest, uh, Brian Grobe. Mm-hmm. All right. I said it wrong at the beginning of the show. My bad. Um, I get. I've, I used to be good at names. Now I've gotten them all wrong for everybody. So, uh, and everyone who works behind the scenes here at the show, uh, live long and prosper. 